0: Welcome to Feeding the Flock and our expositions through the Old Testament book of Daniel. We're currently in chapter 9 at verse 4. Hi there, I'm Glendale Tony. I'm glad you joined me today for this Bible study. Let's begin reading, why don't we, in verse 4 of chapter 9 of the book of Daniel, where it says this. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed and said, Alas, O Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant and loving kindness for those who love him and keep his commandments, we have sinned, committed iniquity, acted wickedly, and rebelled, even turning aside from your commandments and ordinances. Moreover, we have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings our princes our fathers and all the people of the land righteousness belongs to you o lord but to us open shame as it is this day to the men of judah the inhabitants of jerusalem and all israel those who are nearby and those who are far away and all the countries to which you have driven them because of their unfaithful deeds which they have committed against you open shame belongs To us, O Lord, to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, because we have sinned against you. To the Lord our God belong compassion and forgiveness, for we have rebelled against him. Nor have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God, to walk in his teachings which he set before us through his servants the prophets. Indeed, all Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside, not obeying your voice, So the curse has been poured out on us, along with the oath which is written in the law of Moses the servant of God, for we have sinned against him. Thus he has confirmed his words which he has spoken against us and against our rulers who ruled us to bring on us great calamity. For under the whole heaven there has not been done anything like what was done to Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this calamity has come on us. Yet we have not sought the favor of the Lord our God by turning from our iniquity and giving attention to your truth. Therefore, the Lord has kept the calamity in store and brought it on us. For the Lord our God is righteous with respect to all his deeds which he has done, but we have not obeyed his voice. And now, O Lord our God, who have brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and have made a name for yourself, as it is this day, we have sinned, we have been wicked. O Lord, in accordance with all your righteous acts, let now your anger and your wrath turn away from your city Jerusalem, your holy mountain, for because of our sins and the iniquity of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people have become a reproach to all those around us. So now, our God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his supplications. And for your sake, O Lord, let your face shine on your desolate sanctuary. O oh my God, incline your ear in here. Open your eyes and see our desolations and the city which is called by your name. For we are not presenting our supplications before you on account of any merits of our own, but on account of your great compassion. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen and take action. For your own sake, O my God, do not delay because your city and your people are called by your name. This is a grand prayer, a prayer of intercession. In fact, uh, there are three... prayers of intercession in the Old Testament particularly that are worth uh, uh, looking at when you have time in another place and another time. But uh, Ezra chapter 9 contains a, a prayer of intercession, of confessing sins of the, of the people of God, of the nation of Israel. Nehemiah chapter 9 also contains another prayer of intercession. And of course, we're uh, most can, uh, familiar with Jesus's own prayer of intercession in in John chapter 17, but uh, in in regard to this context in which uh, Daniel finds himself, and we've already uh, talked about about that al- just a little bit, that he finds himself at the end of this 70 year period that was so significant to the disciplinary action against the nation of Israel, and um, it was the culmination of other actions that God had taken particularly against the northern uh, section that was uh, technically, it was called Israel, uh, uh, the northern tribes. Uh, They were taken into, exiled into Assyria. And now the southern tribes in which uh, Daniel was part of that uh, exile was taken by Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon into uh, the city of Babylon. And they were exiled as well. So Daniel finds himself and he utters this prayer of intercession on behalf of his people. And just a little bit of reminder of the drama here because, or at least the irony here, is that Daniel is one of those rare characters in the Old Testament by which uh, we have no record of any sins that he committed. Uh, and, and the Bible is quite graphic and even quite transparent about some of the very heroes of the scriptures also uh, had stumbled and were were greatly flawed in many ways, and yet uh, God was with them all the way in, in, in the sense that they confessed their sins, and by confessing their sins, God restored them at various times and moments. And yet here in uh, this particular character, uh, Daniel uh, has no record of any sin recorded, that is, in the Bible. And yet, he confesses the sins of the entire nation as if uh, uh, he was a part of those sins. And that's what an intercessor does. He goes on behalf of the people, and he is sort of like a substitute in many regards. And um, I'm sure that Daniel is thinking, I hope I hope other Jewish people in other parts of the Babylonian Empire, other parts of the Assyrian Empire that uh, Babylon had conquered, and other parts of the world that the Jews had had." scattered, Egypt and other places, uh, that, that they themselves would also be praying similar prayers of confession and repentance and coming back to the Lord their God so that this discipline is over. And uh, so that's why he cries out. Uh, And especially, I prayed to the Lord, my God, and in my translation, and I'm sure it's true of yours as well, because somewhere back uh, many years ago, the printers of English Bibles decided that English translations would have a special um, imprinting of small capital letters with a capital L for the uh, word Lord, when the word Lord is translating the Hebrew original of what we would recognize as Yahweh or um, uh, you might call it Jehovah. But, But when that, term is used toward God we have all caps and that is a hint that uh this is not just any old word here for lord this is this is Yahweh that uh um that Daniel is addressing and and this is this is his covenant name uh, you find his covenant name uh, uh given in uh, especially in in Exodus chapter two verses, um, verses uh, that is uh, Exodus chapter six, verses two through eight. it says, God spoke further to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord, and there's that word, Yahweh. Uh, and I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as all uh, God Almighty, but my name, Lord. Notice he itemizes this name, Jehovah or Yahweh. Lord, in our translation, with all caps, and I did not make myself known to them, I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they sojourned. Furthermore, I have heard the groanings of the sons of Israel because... The Egyptians are holding them in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. Notice the covenant that God had promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God remembers the covenant, and he remembers that the covenant is, is his name, Yahweh. And Or his name is the covenant, you might say. Uh, we have a common expression in our own culture that, that your, 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 uh, your word is your bond. Well, God's name is his bond. God's name is his covenant in this case. And he says, uh, verse 6 of uh, Exodus chapter 6, he says, Say therefore to the sons of Israel, I am the Lord. And there's that name again, the word Lord, and it is Yahweh and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from the bondage. I will also redeem you with an outstretched arm and and with great judgments. Then I will take you for my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God. I am the Lord. There's that word again. There's that title again, that name, Lord all capital letters, and um, it says, uh, who brought you up from the land under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you to the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. And there's that word, Yahweh. It is the Hebrew word for uh, for the name of God, in this case, the covenant name of God. Now, there are, are other uh, names for God and other words for God uh, that is used. And in fact, in this very passage, in the very first words that Daniel expresses in this confession uh, prayer, he says, alas, O Lord. Well, if you notice in your English translation, that word, Lord, is spelled out in the normal lowercase with a capital L. That means that's an indication that that is translated a different Greek, um, that is a different uh, Hebrew word uh, rather than the Yahweh word. And that is the, in this case, it's the word Adonai, which means master or sovereign, or uh, in common language, it might be uh, in re- reference to the boss, and uh, that's, that's the meaning behind this word. And so, he's calling upon the covenant name of God, as well as this master Uh, role that God plays over the nation of Israel, and he immediately uh, acknowledges God's own character in this matter. He acknowledges the fact that uh, he is great and awesome, and he's the one who keeps covenant. He's the one that establishes the covenant. He's the one that's going to carry out the covenant, whatever it is. And it's through his loving kindness for those who love him and keep his commandments. So it is through his loving kindness. That's the the, uh, Hebrew term that would, uh, if it was translated into Greek, it uh, might uh, be parallel to our understanding of agape love. It is God's unconditional covenant committed love. This is not an emotional kind of romance love. This is a committed love. This is a value love. This is the kind of love that God placed in his people to make sure that his covenant would be fulfilled in in them by him and uh, and that's what that term loving kindness refers to and he and uh he says we have sinned and there begins his this list of things that he has he is aware of that uh that uh, the nation of Israel is violating on behalf of the law of Moses. It says, we have sinned. That means, that's a term that means missing the mark. Committed iniquity, that means twisted or bent or crooked. Acted wickedly, that means crimes against God and his people. Uh, Rebelled, that means willful disobedience against God's instructions. And turning aside, that means an abandonment of God's laws and God's ordinances and God's principles. This is true apostasy away from the truth and the nation of Israel has been guilty of this and Daniel acknowledges it before the God of Israel. We're gonna take a break right here and we'll be back on the other side of this musical interlude. back to the second half of this episode. We're glad you're uh, sticking around through Daniel chapter 9. And uh, we began this particular episode with verse 4. And we've just uh, gone through the various definitions that, that Daniel makes this grand sweep of confession of all sorts of definitions of sin and, and falling short of God's glory and of rebellion, outright rebellion against him. Because you see, Uh, It's important to notice here that uh, this is a moral issue, and 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 Daniel wants to confess the immorality and the idolatry that uh, Israel has been guilty of. Because uh, you might get the impression, uh, by the way that we explained uh, verses one through three in uh, the previous episode in Daniel chapter nine, you might think that somehow this is all just an agricultural problem that's related to the Sabbath years. Those years. Every seventh year was to to, uh, let the land lay fallow, and it was to be given its rest. And uh, we explained that because of uh, the law of Moses that they had failed to keep the land Sabbaths uh, every seventh year. And they had f- continued to fail for almost 500 years, and they had accumulated 70 of those missed Sabbath years that now God was collecting all in bulk uh, because of the exile into Babylon, and the land would finally have its Sabbaths. And and so you might get the impression, because of that explanation of those first three verses there, uh, that uh, somehow this is all an agricultural problem and uh, you might think well what's the big deal but you see it's all a pattern that uh, that we need to see about the nation of Israel of what led up to this this exile this captivity where foreign uh, gentile nations came in and took the people of God out of the land of promise and and scattered them throughout the world and uh, uh, took them back to their capital cities and other places and re, re-registered them and relocated them and uh, uh, tried to uh, uh, get rid of their culture and their religion and and everything else. And so, but the reason why these things played out is is not just because of the agricultural sabbath years that were missing but because those things those failures was a, they were a symptom uh they were uh they were the symptoms of other things and that means they had morally been depraved uh even starting with the example of perhaps uh, uh, uh King Solomon and King David who uh, were used by God in in so many great ways and yet their flaw was their own uh Liberty that they took to marry multiple wives and and in fact Solomon did so and and adapted his own uh, religion to the uh to the paganism and the gods of these various wives from all these other countries and because Solomon did that, then this idolatry and this immorality began to be played out through the entire nation of Israel. And that includes the nor- northern tribes as well as the southern tribes in uh, in Judah, and so uh, this uh, this was not uh, a one-time thing. This was a progressive cultural uh, shift, or uh, actually a drift away from God and away from God's people. That is, uh, uh, God's uh, uh, prophets and God's words, and uh, it was and God's truth. And that's exactly what's going on here. Uh, it, this is a moral issue, not just agricultural. And so... Daniel wants to confess these things before God and get it straightened out and he he acknowledges that righteousness belongs to the Lord God he's basically saying God you haven't done anything wrong it's it's us we are the ones that departed from you uh, you only carried out your words against us because we we uh, disobeyed you we carried out our actions as a nation as in our religion in our morality and in our agriculture, and it all bled over into various things. They worshiped these pagan gods, and part of worshiping these pagan gods, in some cases, included um, prostitutes' priests, and that meant uh, male prostitutes as well as female prostitutes in these in these foreign temples that that Israel had adopted into the land and uh, the the uh, the uh, grossest one was mumolo, where uh, there were uh, uh, infant and human sacrifices uh, given to the god Moloch uh, there and they were burned alive in the in this brass. Uh, figurine, and it was larger than a figurine. It was, a, it was a massive structure that they they built this huge fire, and they would they would lay infants and and other humans in the arms of of this uh, this idol that was uh, that was uh, red hot by the fire inside of it, and it would literally scald and scorch and kill whoever uh, was in. The worship or whoever was being sacrificed there. And uh, uh, that was like the ultimate uh, kind of um, digression of this culture. And so uh, all of those reasons were the reasons why God pulled them out of the land. It's almost as if uh, God isn't, uh, by the way, God wasn't being unjust because it's almost as if um, uh, God kind of said, even though he. I don't want to quote God here, but it's almost as if he said, uh, uh, oh, do you like these pagan gods? Are those the ones you want to worship? Then go at it. And he takes them and he uses Gentile um, empires to to jerk them out of the land and cause them to be exiled into Gentile territories and away from Jerusalem, and he allowed the temple uh, to be destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar and the implements of the temple to be carried away into Babylon. And so now, in this, uh, uh, after 70 years of Daniel being in this exile, he is now confessing this sin, and he, he wants to call attention to the fact that we live in open shame. Uh, Judah and Jerusalem and all Israel, we're, we're scattered around uh, wherever we are because of this disobedience. He says, uh, he says again in verse 9, to the Lord our God belong compassion and forgiveness, for we have rebelled against him. Notice the rebellion is on their part. That's what Daniel wants to get clear. He clears it up with himself. He clears it up with God and says, we're the ones who have uh rebelled we are the ones who didn't obey the voice of god we didn't uh we didn't live by his teachings that he gave us through the prophets or through moses and he says we transgressed your law uh, verse 11 we we didn't obey your voice the, then then the curse was poured out and we we talked about those curses in the uh, in the Old Testament the law of Moses laid it out that if they weren't obedient that God would would uh, take them out of the land now uh, let me remind you that this is about the Covenant of the nation of Israel with the land of Israel and the land of promise and what God had covenanted there this uh, this is not necessarily in the context of individual personal salvation or going to heaven when you die uh, as an individual. This is not about that. This is about the national covenant. This is a national issue, not an eternal issue one way or the other, even though you can uh, make a very clear Uh, assertion that uh, uh, those who were guilty of these sins were definitely those who weren't going to heaven when they died. But that's not necessarily the point in this passage. Uh, Daniel wants to clear up the sins that were the problem between him and God and his people and God uh, because of the covenant that has to do with the land. It has to do with the nation. It has to do with the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so uh, he he says we the the it was there we were warned in your word the curse now has come upon us this great calamity has hit us it has happened to the city of Jerusalem and uh, the law of Moses has said it uh it shouldn't have caught us by surprise that's kind of what uh, Daniel is saying he says you kept the calamity in store and brought it on us and you are the one that's being righteous uh, you're the one that that uh, in your deeds, you're perfectly right in what you do. That's what Daniel is, is saying there. He's not criticizing God at all. He's saying, we're the ones who were wrong. And he says, so you have you brought your people out of, he said, uh, notice he, he brings the covenant name of God uh, at the very beginning, and now he talks about the the Lord being his master in verse 15 again, uh, Adonai, and he says, "You brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and have made a name for yourself as it is this day." So God, uh, that is, uh, Daniel calls upon the the God who committed himself to the covenant to to rescue. Israel out of Egypt. You see, that is repeated theme through many parts of the Old Testament, that the God who keeps his covenant redeemed his people out of Egypt and brought them into the land that he had promised. After 400 years of abandonment in Egypt, God brought them to the land. After 40 years wandering in the wilderness, he still brought them to the land. And and Daniel wants to acknowledge that faithfulness on God's part to commit to fulfilling his covenant to his people. And yet he knows this is his, his own sin, or at least the sins of those around him. He says, your righteous acts, uh, let now your anger and wrath turn away from your holy city, or from your city, Jerusalem, your holy mountain, that is. And so uh, Daniel is pleading with God about the central part of the worship of God in the nation of Israel. God had designated Jerusalem. He designated this particular mountain in Jerusalem as a place to put his name, a place to put his temple. And that temple is now sitting in ruins. It is no longer standing. It has no implements in it. It has no priesthood exercising their role there on uh, on that mount. In Jerusalem, it is abandoned; it is desolate, and and Daniel wants to recall to God that that uh, uh, this is true right now, and and it needs to be corrected by confession. So he says, uh, because of our sins and iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people has become a reproach. So he cries out to God. He says, Oh my God, incline your ear and hear open your eyes and see your de- our desolations in the city which is called by your name? You see, Daniel establishes and calls, makes his prayer and makes his plea based upon the truth of the covenant of promises that God, the Lord, Yahweh, had made to his people and saying, your city is desolate, the, the sanctuary is desolate, the temple is desolate. It's completely destroyed. And now we're sitting here at the end of the 70 years and we need to repent if we ever expect to go back to that land, go back and rebuild the temple, go back and re-worship the God of that temple, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the land that God had picked out to place his name there. So he says, O oh Lord, hear, verse 19, O oh Lord, forgive, O oh Lord, listen and take action. For your own sake, notice he says. He says in verse eighteen. He says it's not on account of any merits of our own, but a but a account of your great compassion. Daniel knows grace. He knows grace. He may not be a New Testament believer, but he knows grace. It's not based upon his own efforts or his own cleanliness or his own religion or his own righteousness or his own merit it is based upon God's commitment to his covenant and God's commitment to his own name being carried out in reputation in the land he promised to Israel he says do not delay because your city and your people are called by your name Daniel bases his entire repentance, his entire hope of any answer for this repentance upon the fact of God's name has been placed upon his people. Father, thank you that you have placed your name now upon us who claim the name of Christ, claim the name of Yeshua. Claim the name that he took our sins as far as the east is from the west, and it is still by grace. It is not our righteousness, but his that saves us. Dear Father, thank you for this prayer of Daniel as our example of what to pray for our nation, perhaps, for our sins, so that we can have your handiwork upon our nation as well. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope you enjoyed our presentation today. This is Glyndall Tony. Join us again for the next episode of Feeding the Flock.